You're listening to Thrive Beyond Size, episode 139. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Size, the podcast that's all about finding health, joy, and liberation beyond weight. If you're ready to break free from diet culture and embrace a lifestyle that celebrates your body regardless of your size, you're in the right place. Here's your host, health and wellness coach, Dr. Michelle Tubman. Well, hello there, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I have another beautiful interview to share with you this week with Joanne Edinburgh. We had such a personal and intimate conversation. I shared a little bit about what's going on with me and my struggle with movement these days. And we really share a passion for the psychology of eating, healing your relationship with food and your body and doing it in a way that is self-compassionate and kind and taking an approach that really allows you to meet yourself where you're at. You see, there is so much complexity involved with our relationship with food and it is often lost on us when we get so caught up in the diets, the rules, the calorie counting, the step tracking, the activity tracking, and we totally lose the connection that we have with ourselves. And so in this conversation with Joanne, we're really encouraging you to reconnect to yourself again and to allow yourself the opportunity to really learn what your relationship with food is trying to teach you about yourself and to not only heal your relationship with food, but to heal your relationship with yourself as well. Joanne Edinburgh is a certified eating psychology coach and the founder of Body Wisdom Nutrition. She is on a mission to help women end the quest for the perfect diet and the perfect body so they can spend their time and energy doing what truly nourishes them. She helps health conscious women shift from feeling stressed to feeling free with food weight, and body image. She provides one-on-one coaching, both in person and online through her 12-week program, Transform Your Relationship with Food and Body, to support women in developing a healthy relationship with food and body, helping them shift from the cycle of eat, guilt, and shame to curiosity, compassion, and joy. She uses a positive approach in working on issues such as weight, body image, and emotional eating, guiding clients to find the internal wisdom to transform eating challenges into powerful opportunities for personal growth. Joanne has previously worked as a social worker and has training and experience as a yoga instructor and labor support doula. She has a BS in psychology from Tufts University, a master's degree in social work from Boston University, and a certification in eating psychology coaching with the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. She lives in Seattle, Washington. All right, without any further delay, here is the beautiful interview with Joanne. Joanne, welcome to the Thrive Beyond Size podcast. Happy to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to this. Me too. I think we have lots in common. Joanne and I actually both trained at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, which I think gives us a very unique perspective on issues surrounding food and body and weight and body image and all of these things that so many of us struggle with um, as women. And Joanne, before we dig into the juiciness of this conversation, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're passionate about the work that you do? I think I've always been interested in health and wellness. And for a long time, I was sort of in that place that many of probably both of our clients are in where we're just striving to do more, be better, be healthier. For me, you know, definitely with the focus on weight loss. Um, And, you know, after going through the program at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, 
I had so many big ahas. Like I, I just never realized how much of an impact um, stress has on our metabolic processes, digestion, and so many other aspects of our health. And, you know, I, I was trying to find something that combined a lot of my interest because I've been a social worker, I've been a doula, I've been a yoga teacher, and I'm really interested in nutrition, but I didn't really want to become a nutritionist. And, you know, it was like a perfect program combining uh, particularly the psychology aspect of eating. And it just had such a big impact on me and my perspective and how I see all of these issues around weight, body image and health. And I just wanted to share that with, with other women as well, because I feel like so many of us and myself included absolutely spend so much time and energy focused on, you know, trying to be perfect, trying to, to find the right way to eat, you know, in the name of health. And, you know, there's so much more that we all could be doing. I don't think that that's primarily what we're all meant to be spending so much time on. So that's really why I do what I do. I mean, there's there's so many things that can nourish us, including food. And I try to help people really focus on those things. And those things ultimately will help us to be healthier and feel better. Agreed. So. Agreed. You know, I think it wasn't until I did the training with the Institute for the Psychology of Eating that I even understood how much of my time and energy was focused on thinking about weight loss, thinking about food, worrying about my body, criticizing my body, constantly evaluating how anything I was going to eat or do was going to affect um, how, how my body reacted on, on the outside. And it really wasn't until I started learning more about the psychology around food and eating that I even was able to take a step back and look at my own life. It was a pivotal <laughs> training for me professionally, for sure, but, but most, most importantly, personally. And, you know, when, when I think back to that, you know, time in my life, I can't help but wonder all the things that I missed out on in the years previous because I was either too focused on my body or because I was, you know, ashamed or embarrassed by my body and didn't want to participate in things. Yes, I agree. I think that's true for so many people. And I think we're, most of us are so immersed in this diet culture that I don't even, like you said, you don't even realize how much of an impact it's having. Like I think of uh, recently conversations with someone I know and talking about how, oh, I'm going to go on this really long walk, you know, one to, you know, compensate for eating, two for distracting myself and not being in my house in the kitchen. And, you know, maybe she enjoys walking also for just the joy of walking. But I mean, there's just those kinds of things are true for so many of us. And we, I don't, think that a lot of people even see it as anything other than just this is how life is and that's how it's supposed to be and and that's not how it's supposed to be no. I, think, I think that's the, <laughs> that's the problem and this has actually made itself clear to me personally over recent months and so I have had a, a rather tenuous relationship 
with exercise my whole life. Like when I was a, a young child, I did everything I could to get out of gym class. Like that was, I was a bookworm and that's, that's, that's what I liked to do. And I started playing soccer when I was in grade three or grade four. And I was always the worst player on the team. And people would laugh at me at the way that I ran. And like, like there's just always been stuff around it for me. And then when I got older, like in, in my 20s, exercise absolutely became for me um, the punishment for eating. So it's like I could have this, but then I'd have to go to an extra step class at the gym tomorrow. And like that was very much um, my mentality. And exercise became something that I had to do to compensate for the food that I'm eating. And so now that we fast forward 25 plus years from that, time in my life, that belief is somehow still ingrained in me. And even though I have long since, you know, let go of the desire um, for weight loss and really am working on having a more neutral relationship with with food, um, I haven't been able to get there with exercise. So what I've been struggling with the last few months is I want to exercise because I actually love walking. Like it's, it's, it's very good for for, for, for my mood is why I really, I really like to do it. And I can't bring myself to do it. And I'm in Canmore in the beautiful mountains this week and would love nothing more than to go out for a hike. And I can't bring myself to do it. And so I've been doing lots of work on myself over recent weeks to try and figure out why I can't get my butt out of the door. And I think it's because I'm still looking at, at it as punishment for for food. Um, and so I'm still kind of working on on trying to get get around that. But I tell this story to illustrate just how powerful some of these beliefs can be and how deeply ingrained they are and how powerful they are in in affecting the decisions that we make for ourselves. Absolutely. I think it's so true. You know, like intellectually we can understand like, oh, yeah, I just want to go outside and, and feel good. And it's no other agenda than that, right? There's always, there are all these other agendas that are more subconscious. And I think they're great opportunities to actually figure out, you know, you know, try to figure out what we can learn from this situation of, I just can't get myself out the door. And that's something I really want. So what's going on there? And really kind of trying to dig deep, you know, whether it's journaling or just sitting with yourself quietly and just kind of noticing all the thoughts going through through your head um, and having that compassion, like it's okay, you know, it's okay to just not do it if I don't feel like doing it. Like there's, that was just kind of opposite to what most people think. Like you just need to, you know, have some discipline or willpower or um, just push yourself to do it and then it will get easier. And maybe that's true. I don't really know the answer, but my experience and my perspective is we're ready when we're ready. And if we're not, when we're not, <laughs> you know, like inspired action is so much more motivating and powerful. And it doesn't mean that you just say, well, forget it. I'm never going to walk again. You know, like it's fine. It's, really digging deep and thinking about what is underneath there. What are those beliefs? Trying to write down, what are my beliefs about exercise? What are my beliefs about my body and food and what I deserve? And, you know, trying to 
you know, think about what what are the needs that would be met by doing this thing and what is getting in the way. And it's all okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of it. It's just, you know, kind of seeing it from that positive perspective. Like there's always a good reason why we do or don't want to do something. And from what you've already just said, there was a good reason why you didn't want to exercise. You know, it was not a fun experience for you. So that makes a lot of sense. And we can, you know, overcome those things, but it, it's not necessarily easy, right? Not just, you know, click the switch. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Well, no. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right, right. And that self-compassion piece is so important because over the past few months, there have been times where I, where I have just forced myself out the door or down to the gym and it hasn't felt good. And it's just reinforced this belief that exercise is punishment for me. And, and so when I started a few months ago doing some work to figure out what, you know, what was going on, my initial thoughts were, I'm lazy. I'm unmotivated. I don't have the time. I get too involved in my work and, you know, don't want to take a break to, to have exercise. And when when those thoughts initially came, it made sense to me that this is what I would say, because this is what I've always told myself um, over over the years. And it wasn't until I started saying, um, you know what, Michelle, it's okay if you don't feel like working out today. Like it, it wasn't until I started um, giving that compassion to myself that I was actually able to think beyond those I'm like quote unquote excuses for why why I wasn't exercising and really looking at that relationship that I have with with moving my body. And you also asked another very poignant question in there, which is like, what do I deserve? Because I think that comes up for a lot of women, um, certainly, you know, for for me. And it it's it's like if I want um exercise to be something joyful for me that I do simply because it feels good and and I enjoy it. I have to believe that I deserve to feel good and enjoy something. And there's still part of me who doesn't actually believe that's true. So that is how deep <laughs> we go when we start thinking about like what what is our relationship with food and movement and our bodies actually about what what's it really telling us? Yes, I think that's so true. That worthiness piece, I think, is huge for so many of us. And, you know, the doing it all, you know, having to be superwoman is, I think, a big part of many of our um, messagings that we've gotten over the years, right? Like to actually just relax or, you know, go for a stroll, you know, as opposed to you know, going on the cardio machine for an hour, <laughs> like that even just seems like so luxurious. And like, do we really have time for that? And, you know, are we worthy to actually take that time for ourselves? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is deep. There's a lot of issues there. And there's probably a lot of, I don't know if it's grief, or just like a lot of sadness, you know, from what you were talking about, with that relationship with exercise. And I think it's important to acknowledge that and really feel all of those emotions um, to be able to move past it, you know, and 
these issues are deep. They're not, you know, everything about these these things are in in our culture, like just eat this way and just exercise this amount, you know, get 10,000 steps and, you know, don't eat this, that, or the other thing and you'll be healthy. It's like so superficial. And so on the surface, it's just so much deeper than that. It is. And this, this is one of the biggest problems that I, I actually have with diet culture is that diet culture by its very nature separates us from who we really are by making food and movement very superficial. And, you know, I think, you know, Mark says that how we do food is how we do everything. And like, I, I really believe that that is true. And I, and I kind of parrot that phrase quite, quite often. And I don't know why it is this way. Like, I, I don't know why food has become such a complex entity for us in in our society today. Um, I mean, we know for sure food is fuel for our body. We need food to function as as human beings in human bodies. But food is also cultural and food is social. And there are so many things wrapped up in food. And I don't really know how we got there from, you know, days when food truly was, you know, um, fuel for the, for the body, nourishment for the body. But here, here we are. And, you know, food has become this very complex thing that is also all wrapped up in body image and worthiness and self-esteem and our own um, identity even as as women. And so it's never really just as simple as calories in, calories out, or, you know, that that nonsense. The beautiful thing about food, in my opinion, is it is something that we need to live, right? So it's a perfect, you know, eating is a perfect experience to really learn about ourselves. Like there are certain things in our life that we can actually live without you know, so we can just get rid of it and not, not have to think about that anymore, whether it's, you know, alcohol or drugs or, you know, other quote unquote habits that we might have that, you know, we just avoid it and then we don't have to deal with it, but we do have to eat and food is supposed to be nourishing and pleasurable and it is social. And then there are all these other issues tied up in it. So it's just a great metaphor, you know, like you said, you know, the way we eat is the way we live. It's so true. I mean, if we're just trying to control our food, or our exercise or our body, you know, what does that mean about the rest of our lives? Do we feel out of control? You know, what can we learn about that? Like, what does it mean to just let go? What does it mean to trust ourselves to just be able to figure it out instead of following this very strict regimen, you know, of what someone else tells us? you know, and it's also a very masculine way of thinking about things. And we all need the masculine and the feminine, but the whole trusting and using our intuition and letting go and just surrendering to life. I mean, that's our feminine aspect that I think many of us don't focus enough on. And, you know, I think it's so important to, to see these issues in that light. Yeah. And that, you know, that's one of the things that was very poignant for me doing the training 
um, with the Institute as well is, um, I don't know if you remember him towards the beginning of the course, uh, Mark talked about the archetypes and, you know, he talked about women stepping into their queendom and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a physician. And when he started talking about that, I'm like, what the hell did I get myself into? Like, how could this possibly have anything to do with food? And it's something that's been on my mind so much lately because I am perimenopausal age, kind of late 40s right now, pushing on 50 and definitely stepping into my queendom. I feel it. And to bring this back to the whole exercise piece, one of the things that for me, stepping into my queendom means is actually allowing myself to enjoy my life. And so here's, here's, I, I went to a, a medical conference um, a number of months ago, and this was a conference focused on lifestyle medicine and all of the meals that they provided for us at this conference were vegan. So the breakfast option was uh, chia seeds with, you know, fruits and nuts and things. And I had never had it before. And I, I saw it, it was what was available. So, so I ate it and it was the most enjoyable breakfast I have ever had in my whole life. So now I make, I make it at home all the time, but I can't stop thinking about how healthy it is. And when I start thinking, when I start labeling my breakfast as healthy, then it goes back to this whole punishment thing that I've going on right now. Because back in my dieting days, I would resent healthy food because I was being told I had to eat it. And it wasn't always what I wanted um, in, in the moment. And so again, it's like how we do food is how we do life. I can look at so many aspects of my life and see where I'm just not allowing myself to enjoy anything that I am completely stuck in that masculine frame of mind of productivity and, you know, following my checklists and, you know, getting things done in a systematic way. And there's absolutely no room for me to sit back and enjoy. And a lot of the things that I, I need to be productive at are things that I do actually enjoy, but I'm not allowing myself to actually um, go there because as soon as I start to enjoy something, then I feel like where is the punishment going to come for me next for, for, for enjoying this? So the, this is, you know, I don't know why I'm talking so much about myself um, right now, but, but I think what I'm personally going through is just so um, illustrative of, of how, of how this all works, of, of how our relationship with food and body and movement can really be a gateway to, to deeper things for us. Absolutely. And I think it's just a story that so many of us share. Again, I think it's, it's such great awareness to see like, okay, this worthiness issue is coming up again, and I don't deserve pleasure. I don't deserve to feel good about myself. And it is a great way to kind of you know, dig deep into that whole perspective. It's like, okay, what, you know, and really let yourself uh, get to those deep emotions. Like, wow, you know, like this is how I've treated myself, how other people have treated me my whole life. And um, how can I shift out of that? And just being aware of it is such an important first step to having that self-compassion and that curiosity to really understand where does this come from and 
you know, how do I want it to be different? And I just want to feel good. You know, what does that mean to me? Like, just, I think a lot of us don't even know what, you know, what do we need? What do we want? What does make us happy? You know, well, we haven't no. even been allowed to, no, we, ha- we, we haven't been allowed. And, and it always shocks me. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And when I work with women, we always start with this question of, you know, what do you want to get out of this time together? You know, what, 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 what are your goals? And, um, you know, one of the things that we really work on in my programs is where are you holding yourself back because of, you know, your body or your relationship with food and how can we start moving you towards these, these goals as we work to get together and never, is a woman ever able to tell me what they actually want for their lives? Or when I ask this question, they'll start talking about what they want for their kids or you know, other things. And they, they, they've never even thought about what they want for themselves. And sometimes it's a matter of not letting themselves go there because they don't believe they don't believe they can have the life that they want. And so rather than feel the pain of confronting that belief, they just, they, they just don't think about it. Um, they, they put their, their focus on, on other people, but you know, it's, it's, it's shocking to me that people don't know what they want. Yeah. And I think it's a practice, right? It's just like, well, just try, try something out. Like, I think I like this, but I'm not sure, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to like commit to that forever. (laughs) Just, just like, you know, when you're buying clothes or, you know, eating a particular food, do I like that? I I don't know. Let let me see, like, just stay curious about it. It's like, okay, no, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to try something else. And, you know, (laughs) I think it's just a matter of practice because we don't have a lot of practice focusing on ourselves. We we, we don't. Yeah. And I think one of the other challenges in that regard is that we are so disconnected from our bodies, right. And that we're, um, you know, some, someone once said that we're all a bunch of, you know, talking heads walking around and completely disconnected from, from our bodies. And, and I, I truly believe that reconnecting to ourselves and being in our bodies is kind of a essential prerequisite to, to, to all of this work. And even that is not easy for, for a lot of us, you know, it can be quite painful to, to come back to ourselves, um, in, in modern society today with all of these messages that we're given about, um, who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act and how we define ourselves as women and mothers and professionals and, and all of the things, you know, if, if we come and try and settle into these very imperfect bodies that we all inhabit, that can just be quite painful. So it doesn't surprise me that we want to disconnect, but, I, I do believe that reconnecting is kind of the key to all of this work. I agree. And I think that, you know, dieting and counting calories and this many hours at the gym or this many steps, you know, is just taking us out of our body to really, you know, focus on, well, how do I feel when I do these things? You know, even going for a walk to be able to just, you know, really pay attention how does this feel in my body? How, you know, what's my breath like? What is, what, how does it feel with my legs, my arms? You know, I think it's just like simple little steps to try to always try to come back to the body. Um, and I think that is, is the key. 
Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And same with food, right? Is how does it feel to eat this particular food? How does it taste? Like what's the experience of, of, of eating this food? So often when we're eating, we're completely checked out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we're not really eating when we're eating. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about emotional eating for, for a moment. Cause I, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's actually normal that we do this from time, from time I, to time. I, I love to work with women who feel that their emotional eating or binge eating is a problem and it can be like it, it absolutely, it absolutely can be. But I think one of the important things we need to recognize when we're working towards healing our relationship with food is that, like I said before, food is social, food is cultural. And there is a reason why in the movies, when, you know, the girl breaks up with the guy, she goes for the tub of ice cream, right? <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there, 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 there's reasons why we, we see that in movies and, and in our culture, because it is something that every human does from, from time to time. I'd like to give that example because I think, and I don't know if this is true with you, but I think oftentimes when, when women come to work with me, their expectation is that somehow they're going to only ever want to eat healthy food and that they'll, that they'll essentially stick to a diet of X, Y, or Z and be okay with it. Like, I think like underneath it all, that's actually what, what, what women want until we actually start, you know, digging into this. And when I, when I start to tell people that, you know what, your eating is never going to be perfect. However, you define that, that you still need to allow yourself to, you know, have, you know, beer at the baseball game every once in a while, right? And that you, 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 you still want to be able to enjoy food, to have something simply because it, it, it tastes good. And so finding that balance between feeling very out of control around food versus choosing to have some food just, just for the enjoyment of it. And you, you spoke at the beginning of this, of this interview about, you know, the, the need for, nourishing yourself with food, but also nourishing yourself with, with other things. And it's, you know, this idea of the pleasure principle that we're actually meant to enjoy food, but we also need to be getting that enjoyment and that pleasure from, from other things in life. So one of the things that I believe when it comes to healing, emotional eating is that we need to start to allow pleasure in other parts of our life. So food isn't the only place that we have to turn to for pleasure or comfort or, or, or whatever it is. I agree. I agree. I think that's such a big issue because like we were saying, you know, food is ever present, right? We have to do it to live. So it's, it's easy to rely on food to meet a lot of our needs in addition to just, you know, energy or nourishment. That is something I work with my clients on as well. It's like what you kind of make a list, uh, an inventory of all the things that make you happy, that make you feel good, that are nourishing, pleasurable. You know, they can be tiny little things, but, you know, from, you know, it's different for everyone, but, you know, just walking outside for a few minutes, getting some fresh air, calling a friend, um, you know, listening to whatever music you like, having flowers on the table, um, having a special plate when you eat, 
um, you know, in, in terms of movement, it could be anything, gardening, uh, playing with your kids, dancing, whatever, you know, there's just, there's so many possibilities, but we don't really think about these things. But once you have that list, when you're starting to feel, you know, upset about something or just, you know, down in the dumps or whatever, it's like, just bring that list out. It's like, well, what can I do to just, you know, feel good? And, you know, then there's the whole issue of, of actually being present to our emotions. So in terms of emotional eating, I think a lot of us just stuff our emotions with food because we've been taught that. No, not many people are comfortable feeling their feelings. Like, like you said, being in the body and it doesn't even have to be like ex emotional expression, but again, just checking in with your body. What are the bodily sensations that I'm feeling right now? That's kind of where it starts. You know, do I feel tightness in my chest? Do I feel something going on in my stomach or is there's some pain or tension in my neck, my back? I mean, those are just ways to kind of embody instead of, you know, trying to just avoid those feelings or sensations. And, you know, like you said, there's nothing wrong with emotional eating. We do it for very good reasons, but also thinking about like, okay, checking in with yourself, like what is going on? Even if you can't do it right in that moment, maybe after you've had the food or whatever it is, it's like, okay, what just happened before I had this urge to eat basically, right? Like did something, is something going on in my life generally? Was there a specific situation, conversation I had? You know, just to get more aware and start breaking those those patterns. And, you know, I want to I wanna bring that exact concept back to the whole pleasure piece as well. Because again, you know, back, back to my, my story and my struggles with allowing myself to feel pleasure is I did that. I made my inventory of things that make me feel good, that I enjoy, that give me pleasure. And then I started approaching it as my like to-do list, a checklist. Yeah, it's right. like, okay, I don't feel good. So, you know what, I, I'm going to go like put, put a record on and, and then it's like, I would sit there and suffer because I was right. And so you have to allow yourself also to feel the enjoyment and feel the pleasure when, when you engage in these things. And here's how I learned that I was, I was doing this. So one of the things that absolutely delights me is the simplest little thing. So when my husband and I go to bed at night, I get into bed first and he parachutes the sheet and the blanket up. And when it lands on me, I don't know why I love this so much, but I find that is my favorite part of the day. And I giggle and I laugh and the sheets feel so good when they land on my body. And my husband and I have this very beautiful moment of connection when when he when he does this for me and you know it was you know some time ago when i realized oh my gosh this is what it feels like to be alive <laughs> this this is what it is and it's something that lasts mere seconds but the the pleasure and the enjoyment i feel from that lasts until i wake up you know it in in, in the morning and I, I always wake up um happy and giggling remembering um that that experience that we had um the night before and so now when i feel like i am 
struggling or stressed and need to allow myself to enjoy some pleasure. I always, I, I think about that and I try to, I try to um, bring that and be really present with whatever I'm choosing, choosing to do. And I mean, it's, it's not easy and it's, it's something that I intentionally have to choose to, you know, be, be present and pay attention to how it feels in my body to enjoy whatever I've chosen to do in, in that moment. Um, it doesn't always work. Um, but when it does, um, it's, it's beautiful. And I think each time you do that and whether it's allowing yourself to enjoy something pleasurable or just allowing yourself to feel any other emotion that's, that's in your body. I think every time you do that, you collect these experiences and then it becomes easier as, as, as time goes on, you, you kind of begin to understand that it's safe to, you know, sit in your body and experience these feelings. Yeah. I love that example. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about that too, because anything, any kind of um, practice, whatever that we create can become, you know, a checklist of to do's and things that we are doing right. And so maybe the better way to deal with this whole issue, like you said, is just kind of notice in your day to day life, what is it that actually makes me feel good? Kind of noticing those little moments of joy or just feeling so present and happy and that you just want to giggle, you know, like I think, I think we have more of those moments than we give ourselves credit for because we're not paying attention. We're not being aware. And, you know, it could be just you're, you're outside and you see the beautiful changing colors of the leaves or a flower or just an interaction with people on the street or in a store, you know, I mean, there's so many things that can bring us that, that high frequency emotion of just, you know, feeling good, however you want to describe it. So maybe that's the way to really bring more of that in. And like you said, the more you notice it, the more you do that, it becomes more Part of your experience than not. Yeah. yeah. And to bring it back to that, the way we do food is the way we do life, you know, fits, fits right into this too. And it goes back and forth. Right. And so if you're having difficulty being present when you're eating, if you're having difficulty, um, you know, tasting your food and really noticing how it feels to eat whatever you've chosen to eat, it might be easier to start that work elsewhere in your life. So, you know, if you are out for a walk, can you have a few moments where you're really present, where you can, you know, take a moment to smell the air or look at the flowers or feel the sun on your skin or just, you know, a few a few moments of, of being present in that moment. If you start, again, collecting those experiences out there in your life, then it becomes easier to do it with food as well or vice versa. You know, sometimes for, for people, it's easier to do it with food. And then, and then as you collect those experiences, you're able to, to be present in, in other areas of your life as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think with eating, that's true that it's so hard to be present for so many of us. And, you know, just also taking that opportunity to think about like, that's, it's just so inch, like not as a problem, not there's something wrong with me. Like, why can't I just be present when I eat? Like, how hard is that? But okay, there's probably a good reason for that. You know, what were meals like when I was growing up? Like, what is my relationship with food and why is it so challenging? 
and just really try to start to become aware and get in touch with what, what is this, what's going on here, you know? And remembering that self-compassion piece so that if you're not able to be present in a moment to say, you know what, it's, it's, it's okay. There's a good reason why I'm not able to be, to be Mm -hmm. present right now, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Exactly. And just, just allow yourself to be where you are, meet yourself where you're at. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that self-compassion is actually how we transform our lives. Agreed. It's not the, you know, pushing ourselves and making and judging and, you know, <laughs> making us feel bad about things like, oh, that's going to be a good motivator. No, I mean, you think that that it would be because that's pretty much well, how most people uh, Joanne, talk about these issues. Right? Well, that that's exactly <laughs> it. Right. And, and I think our society today really tells us that, you know, if you work hard, if you push through, if you, you know, you know, just do a little more, a little more, a little more, then you're going to, you're going to get what you want. But that's, that's the opposite. I, th- I think it's, it's that whole hustle mentality that um, interferes with our relationship with food and ourselves um, to, to, to begin with. So the antidote is not to just find more discipline or, or willpower and power through it's, it's to actually let go of all of that and, and, and just be present. So not easy when it's counterculture. Hey, no, no. That's why we need other people to help support us in this process because it's hard to do it on your own. So, yeah. All right. Well, on, on that note, um, Joanne, if people do want to work with, with you or learn more about how this whole approach can be used um, to help them heal their relationship with food and body, where can they find you? The best place is my website. It's just my name, Joanne Edinburgh. J-O-A-N-N-E-E-D-I-N-B-E-R-G.com. I'm sure that in the notes. Um, but yeah, you can sign up for a free call with me to talk more about um, what's going on with you and how we might be able to work together. I have all my podcast interviews listed on my websites. This will be there. Um, I also do a free book club and I've started doing that online. So you can join from anywhere. And it's a Ditch Diet Culture Book Club. So we do all sorts of interesting books. And that's a great way to create community and to talk with other women um, about these issues because it's hard to do it in isolation. Community really is the key. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joanne. Um, any last words of wisdom before we sign off? Uh, I've loved this conversation. And you know, I think on the theme that we've talked about just be kind to yourself, just one, one step at a time. And I I do believe in that inspired action when you're ready. uh, It will happen and, you know, give yourself grace if you're not feeling it. Inspired action. I love it. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you.